Well, good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Grace Presbyterian here in the beautiful UP. As we continue through our series on prayer, we're going to take a look at the fourfold perspective on prayer that Paul outlines to the Philippian church and to his student Timothy. We're going to seek to utilize these categories of prayer to serve as a pattern for our prayers to follow, a pattern that will help to bring our desires in line with God's desires and our will in line with God's will. Thanks for listening. My prayer life is vibrant and it's active daily. I like to commune with God at nighttime. I get under those warm covers and I kiss my wife goodnight and I just start talking to God. Just me and God, tell him everything. (sighs) Makes me just sleepy just thinking about it. And there I am just laying in bed, laying on my request to him and he's hearing me. I know that I'm in good company with him. Where was I? The efficiency of one's prayers are directly congruent to the position of one's body. Therefore, the legs should be saying, God, help me. (laughs) Amen. There are times that me and God do not talk, and that is not God's fault, that is mine. I just get so busy. And so when I do end up talking to God, I really just try to impress him, give him a show, just to show him how much I love him. So excuse me, will you, as I pray to God. Oh, heavenly Father, oh, heavenly Father, beseech me not unto thee, how now? Brown cow, oh, thy soul is so dry, and if I can just catch a morsel of who you walk so verily, merrily, down the stream. God, I, I just want to be used by you. God, I want, I want to be salt and light and light and salt and sight and love and peppers and oregano and pepperoni and black olives and those little bit. I thought that was a cute little example of what it's like sometimes praying. Can anyone identify anybody here? Yeah. Um, I guess my better judgment, I uh, didn't go with a couple other movie clips I could have. Uh, some of you, anyone here seen the movie Meet the Parents? Maybe not the best movie, but maybe you know the part I'm talking about where Ben Stiller is asked to pray for to give the blessing for the meal, saying something like, oh, we thank you for this smorgasbord you've so aptly laid this day by day by day. Anybody like that? You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe there was an older generation, too. You might remember uh, Christmas Family Vacation with Chevy Chase. Anybody? And Aunt Edna, remember that moment? She's asked to pray, and she ends up giving the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> Amen, right? Yeah, I think Hollywood has a good time with this, but it's something that's aptly recognized in our world today that, you know what, I, I like praying as long as I'm not the one who has to do the praying because it's, you know what, it can be a little tricky sometimes and some of us don't always feel very equipped for it. Well, we are in a series on prayer and as you have continued to return to church, you might recognize that one of my goals is to try to break through that barrier 
that difficulty of just not knowing how to pray. So that as we conclude all of these messages, I'm asking the church to gather together in little groups and pray together. And you know what? The first time, that's a little difficult. A little bit uh, merrily verily, right? Trying to come up with the words. But here's the thing, church. The more that we get in tune with prayer, the more that we understand that it's just a conversation with our Heavenly Father. The more that we understand there's nothing that we need to do to go to impress God with. We simply speak to Him as a friend who's longing to hear from us. As we've been through this series, I'd like to review just a couple of things. We looked, first of all, three weeks ago at the power of prayer, recognizing that prayer's power is found in humility. Do you remember the story of the, uh, the, the Pharisee that prays against the tax collector? Those contrasted where the tax collector can't even lift his eyes, right? But he beats his breast and he cries out to God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That true power in prayer is found in honest, humble, simple dependent prayers. Uh, the week after that, we looked at the purpose of prayer. And we looked at the story of Daniel. Do you remember that one? And how there was a, a government that said that, no, you're not going to pray anymore. And how very real that is in our world today. That when we look to the purpose of prayer, we recognize that prayer sees God's authority. Do you remember that Daniel did that? By kneeling down, he was recognizing God's the one who's in charge. Not any ruler, king, president, or council. God is the one who is in charge. So prayer recognizes his authority. It also changes our perspective such that Daniel, even if he didn't get an answer to his prayers, knowing that God is in charge, he could face the lions. And the same is true for you. You can face the lions in your life when you are recognizing God's authority and his sovereignty in prayer. And finally, it accomplishes God's plan. As we saw from the video that week. Do you remember from that school? Where they outlawed the Lord's Prayer, and suddenly the students spontaneously started to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, and the entire stadium joined with them, that that's God's plan. And God's purpose above all is such that He would be known throughout this world, so that when Daniel stands on the authority of God through prayer, faithful prayer, that the king writes a decree that Daniel's God is the one to follow. We could see the purpose in prayer. Last week we looked at the perseverance of prayer. Remember the story of the persistent widow against that unjust judge and she just kept coming again and again. And what did she ask for? Do you remember? She wanted justice. She was asking for justice. And perseverance in prayer means that we carry the kingdom of God with us. Remember I asked you the question, what if Jesus were to return right now? How would that change your prayer life? That she was asking for justice and someday the judge will return. We need to be prepared and looking for that day. Constantly carrying his agenda with us in prayer. Not always the needs and wants that we think are so necessary. But rather recognizing God's purpose is that which will be accomplished. We need to be vulnerable like she was. Can't be a tough guy in prayer, right? No putting on a show. Uh, she was shameless to go to him night and day. Continue to ask. And you might finally recall last week recognizing that the measure of your prayer is directly proportional to your faith in God. And Jesus asked the question, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Are people going to give up or are you still going to be praying? Are you still going to be, as I use the illustration, on hold with the, with the Verizon lady? Remember, because who else am I going to call? Are you continuing to stay persistent in prayer? Well, today I want us to look at the pattern for prayer. 
It was uh, f- four steps that were handed to me, I think, very early on in my life that have stayed with me my whole life. And my hope for you to share with you today is that you won't end up like uh, some of these uh, comical situations in prayer, but that you will have different categories so that when it comes time to pray, you'll have a few little steps to follow, a pattern, if you will, so that you know how to come before God. There are two passages that I want us to look at, one out of 1 Timothy and one in Philippians 4. Uh, we've, uh, we've looked at the Philippians one already, but turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy in chapter 2. You also have uh, the text there written on your handout. I want you to recognize as Paul writes to Timothy, he will outline four different categories of prayer. Let's see if we can identify these together. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Helen, what page are we on? 1846 in the Pew Bibles. Paul writes this to Timothy. I urge then first of all, I got I to gotta make sure I point that out, that when Paul's going to write this letter, he's going he's gonna to start out with, as we all do in letters, like the pleasantries, like hope. You ever write an email, hope everybody's good, you know, before you really get into the meat of it. But then eventually you get into the reason why I'm writing you this letter. This is it. Right here, chapter 2, he says, I urge then what? First of all, above all things, this is where it lands, all right? First of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everybody. Do you see the four categories here? Four different ways that Paul understands coming to God. Requests, uh, we'll call those supplications. And we'll look at those uh, briefly. When he mentions prayers here, he has... Uh, in mind what is the most common way of, of coming to God in prayer, which is recognizing God for who He is. Do you know you don't need to do any more than that in prayer? I think that's the very best thing for us sometimes, is to recognize this is who God is. If you hold your place in First Timothy, turn back to our lectionary reading in Psalm 100. I want you to see what... Uh, the psalmist had to say in recognizing coming to God in prayer was merely a matter of recognizing who God is. And that's what these prayers are. Psalm 100, he says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Look at verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. Does that help you sometimes? How's it feel when... Life's getting out of hand. How's it feel when your foot begins to slip? How's it feel when it looks like the checking account's not going to balance? How's it look like when the family or the kids or whatever it might be isn't going according to the plan? You know what? Take a breath and know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. You know what? I don't want to be in any other pasture. (laughs) I hope you find me in the Lord's pasture because you know something? I know I'll be taking care of that. Do you recognize what this prayer does? Is it sees God for who He is and then it recognizes who we are. If you flip back now to 1 Timothy, that's what he has in mind here when he mentions prayers. They are simply recognizing who God is and declaring praise to Him for who He is. Next he mentions thanksgiving. Uh, This is now recognizing God, not just for who He is, but for what He has done for you. Routinely, for the children of God, the Spirit would move them to erect uh, monuments, altars, even setting up stones in memorial that they would not forget what God has done for them. 
one of the very best practices that uh, I uh, had offered to me back in college was keeping a prayer journal. Does anyone else do this, a, a prayer journal? We're going to look at that a little bit further as we continue in this series. Uh, but my wife found it the other day. Back in college, she found the old prayer journal. And she, she came into the office and she said, would you look at this? Look at what God has answered. Do you know what? When you come to God in prayer, I don't know where the answer is going to come from. I, I'm calling out to God. But it's amazing how you look back at some of these old prayer requests and you see how, man, he took care of this. And he took care of this. And he took care of this. You know what that allows you to do? That allows you to praise him and offer to him thanksgiving. This is what Paul wants to encourage Timothy to do. So not only requests, not only prayers for who God is, not only thanksgiving for what he's done, but lastly here, look, he says intercessions. <clears throat> Intercession here is recognizing the, the, the gulf and the distance between where we are and where God is. In our lives today, sometimes that can look uh, like you going on behalf of somebody else, praying for someone who you know is in need and that there's, you recognize that distance. But you can also intercede for yourself, though we use a different word for that. It's called confession. That when we recognize the distance between us and God, the intercessory style of prayer is one where we come of our own accord to confess our sins, to see how far we have fallen and how we need to come back to him. Four different categories that Paul lists out for Timothy. Just look briefly as we finish up here for verse 2. For kings and all those in authority. So notice that when he's going to identify prayers for everybody, Paul makes mention to recognize that those who are in, in authority need your what? They need your prayers. It's very easy for people when they get in charge to think that they demand, right? The buck stops here. And they forget that there is actually a higher power. That there is one above them to whom they must answer. We need to pray for those who are in authority. For it is God's work and God's planning to both rise up kings and oppose of them. We need to be in prayer for those who are in authority. And look at his reason why that, verse 2, pray for those who are in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. The aim for the believer in praying is one that recognizes I live in a fallen world. I need to pray for those who are in authority such that my devotion to God won't ever come into conflict with governmental orders like it did for Daniel. But instead, I might be able to live in peace and in quiet, in holiness and in godliness. There's another passage I'd like us to look at briefly. is Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we... <laughs> read it in our devotional reading. But I want you to see here again that Paul recognizes these same four categories in prayer. And this time he outlines a wonderful result of coming to God in prayer using these four different categories. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. <coughs> that makes me chuckle. Life's hard, Amen. Man, life's hard, right? If life's not hard for you, we should pray for you because it's going to get hard, right? But this is, this is how it goes. Life's hard here. It's true. And though we have good times, we face a reality that it's not heaven. Heaven's not here yet. We still are battling against a lot that's in this world. And so he has to say it twice, right? Rejoice. Man, I don't feel like rejoicing. Again, I say rejoice. 
right? Have this kind of joy that supersedes the natural for what we see on our level, on our plane. He says, verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. Do you hear the echo back from 1 Timothy? Right? Gentleness, the idea that Christians live in this world in holiness, in gentleness, in godliness. We characterize a different kind of human. We belong to a different citizenship. I come from another country. My king is Jesus Christ. Because of that, you should be able to recognize in me there is a change. Gentleness should be evident all, evident all because the Lord is near. Verse 6, do not be anxious about what? Yeah, not some things, not a couple of things, anything. Don't be anxious about anything. I'm preaching to myself right now. Is that okay? Right? Uh, don't be anxious about anything. It doesn't matter what you're facing. But in everything, by prayer, you see it? That, that's praising God for who he is. Uh, by petition, this is again that idea of coming to him uh, in uh, confession or intercession. Uh, you recognize the distance between where you are and where he is. With thanksgiving, you see the third category here? You come to God and thank him for what he has done for you. And finally, he says, present your requests to God. That's supplication again. Where we would go before God to not only call out and cry out to him, but then trust him for the answer. He says the result in verse 7 is fantastic. Look at this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. There's too often in our lives as believers that peace seems so very distant. It seems so very far away. The reason why is because you and I are still trying to solve our problems through our own strength. Do you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to hand it over to him. Hand it over. The distance of sin in your life, the problem of confession, hand it over to him. The requests and the needs that you have, hand those over to him. And you know what? Sometimes we don't even know how to properly ask God for what we need. So you know what you do before that? You thank him for what he has already done. Because in thanking him, he will be transforming your mind to recall those things that truly matter. You thank him. After this, you worship him for who he is and who we are through him. He is God. Praise God. He is God. And I am just a sheep in his pasture. He hasn't lost his gaze of protection over me, nor he will he ever Stop watching and caring over me. And I can adore him and worship him for that. Do you know what you'll have if you begin to do this, church? you know what you'll have? Verse 7. You will have the peace of God. It's a fantastic kind of peace. Look what it does. It transcends what? Understanding. It transcends understanding. You will have another person who's still trying to work out their issue by their own strength. And they won't have a clue as to how you have so much peace. How, how is it that you're so calm right now? I'm freaking out. How, how is it that you have this countenance that's just trusting God because the future looks really tumultuous to me and I don't know what's going to happen. And you say, you know what? God is God. I'm a sheep in his, shed, in his pasture. I have peace because I've handed it over to him. It won't make sense. You can't understand it. It transcends understanding. And look what that peace will do. It will guard your heart. It will guard your heart and it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. When I was taught these four categories, they were given to me in an acronym form. Uh, C, 
A T S. For the remainder of our time, we're just going to look at each one briefly, and we're going to turn to a psalm uh, to see an evidence of it. So um, if you if you'll look here, the first one, the C stands for confession. Stands for confession. I want to invite you to turn to your Bibles to Psalm number 32 for an example of what confession looks like. Psalm 32. You will notice too, what does this spell up here? Cats, right? So it's a little easy to remember, right? When I'm going to go to God in prayer, just remember what animal? Cats, right? And you'll remember I need to start with C. C stands for confession. Psalm 32. Uh, Listen to David as he writes, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. And in whose spirit is no deceit. Look at verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Do you know what that is? That's that moment before we confess our sins. Anyone recognize that feeling? Anybody testify with David today? Anybody give an amen as to recognizing, yeah, this is a, this is a difficulty. I, I don't like that feeling. I hate it when I know that God's hand is heavy upon me, but I just don't want to break. I just don't want to give. Dave said, David says it's like having your strength sapped away. It's like being in decay. Your bones are wasting away. God's hand is heavy upon you. But then look in verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. God is faithful, church. And when we come to him in prayer... If you have got something that you're just holding on to, this little bitty, whatever that might be in your life, or maybe it's a big thing, something that you've been trying to cover up for a long time, and you just don't want to admit it, you will struggle in prayer. You will find it very difficult to get to the place where you can ask God for what it is that you truly need because you've got this big hindrance right in your way called sin, and you're not dealing with it. Here's what confession means. Confession means saying what God says about sin. It's not a oops or oh well that's just how I am. Silly old me. Or you make justifications for it some other way. Or it's just everybody's doing it. What's wrong? Everybody. Right? You know what? You can't excuse your way out of this. True confession is saying about sin what God says about sin. And David, David gives us a great example of this. I acknowledge my sin to you. I didn't cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess. Church, we've got to begin there. This is why in church when we gather together, the very first thing we do as a congregation from coming to free ourselves to worship him is to recognize our need to confess, to confess together. Something that I pray that every one of us in here does in the quietness of our hearts and practices throughout our week. You've heard me say it before. You need to keep short accounts. Just think how that goes in any other relationship. How does it work with your spouse if something's wrong? Is it it really healthy to keep those things just bottled up? 
You know, just kind of storing them away. Now, some of us really love to be mad at our spouse, right? We just like to, mm, I got this little thing to hold over. You just love to hold on to those little things. You know what those are? Those are cancer for a relationship. Those are destructive for a relationship. You need to keep short accounts. You say something stupid, guys, you know what? You better go say, I'm sorry, right? Uh, your wife's favorite two little words. I'm sorry. Right? And mean it when you say it. And ladies, be careful holding on to those things. Be careful finding something because you know what? Guys will do things that we don't even know we do that's wrong all the time. Can I get an amen from the fellas? Yeah. You know what you need to do? You need to keep short accounts. You need to go and recognize those things right away. Confess them. Get, clear the air, as they say, right? Get this thing out of the way because now the relationship can be restored and we can move forward to higher levels. The same is true with God. That when we begin, we begin with confession. The A here stands for adoration. Adoration. I'd like you to look with me to Psalm 46 for adoration. And we already sort of saw it in uh, Psalm, <coughs> Psalm 100. In Psalm 46, the psalmist is facing a, a difficult uh, challenge. Uh, something that they can't fix on their own. Uh, for most of us, that's when we go to prayer, when we're facing something uh, that we can't fix on our own. And we've got to go to God in prayer. Adoration is the process of recognizing God as God. Look with me, Psalm 46. The psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not what? Will not fear. This is who he is. He is our refuge. He is our help. Ever present in times of trouble. So I'm not going to fear. Though the earth give way. Can you imagine? What if the earth gave way? And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Does it ever feel that way to you? That's how life feels sometimes. When you get the phone call. Or when you hear something happen. Or you've just had it up to here for the last time. And you can't handle anymore. It's like those waves are just everywhere. God is there. Look at verse 4 and 5. He says, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. So, therefore, look. She will not fall. Why? Because God is within her. God is there. And where God is, safety is. Security is found. Not in the way sometimes we think in the world, but in a way that's supernatural. Remember? The peace that transcends understanding. Verse 6. Oh, I'm sorry. End of verse 5. God will help her at the break of day. Verse 6. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. Just look at the news, folks. Just turn on the TV. And uh, this is true, right? He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Look at God's control. All he's got to do is speak up. And the whole earth falls into submission. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolation she has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Let's say that together. Ready? Be still and know that I am God. That's what adoration is. Adoration is praising God for who he is. You could do this in prayer. I know you can do this. That you can recognize, God, this is who you are. 
You are the God that loves us. You are the God that never fails us. You are the God who is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Adoration, uh, A stands for adoration. It's praising God for who he is. T, who thinks they know what T is? Thanksgiving, that's right. T stands for Thanksgiving. I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 107. We'll see an example of Thanksgiving in prayer. I'm going to have us jump around in this psalm, so we'll look at a couple of verses. But you've got to recognize how it starts. Psalm 107, the psalmist says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. That's us, guys. Let the redeemed, that's us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. That His love endures forever, and He is good. Those He redeemed from the hand of the foe, those He gathered from the lands... From the east and the west, from the north and the south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty. Their lives ebbed away. Check this out now, verse 6. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And what did he do? He delivered them. That's why we give thanks. This happened in my life. I cried out to you, and you answered. Jump down with me to verse um, 12. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Verse 13. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. Jump down to verse 18. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. Jump down to verse 28. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He brought them out of their distress. Do you see the pattern, church? Something comes to you in life. Something faces you that you can't handle. So you cry out to God, and He answers. For this, do you know what the psalmist tells us to do? Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Thanksgiving is very similar to adoration, except now we praise God, not for who He is, but we praise Him for what He has done. It's a great category for you to follow in prayer. As you follow through these steps, you'll recognize that the pattern of moving your heart towards confession to see sin the way God sees sin, and then to move into adoration, to praise God for who He is. This is who you are in my life. And then to thank Him for what He has done. Do you know what that does? That helps reorient our heart. So that when I started out praying, I might have thought my needs were X, Y, and Z. But as I move through these steps, now God has changed me so that I can see I really need to be asking God for his glory to come. Because my heart's been changed. It's too easy for us. And I'm guilty of this. I I jump into prayer too quick sometimes. I I, I don't take time uh, to get acclimated. like, Like jumping into the pool at the hotel, right? And it shocks your system. Uh, But if you get in slowly, right, if you get in gradually, if you move into prayer gradually through the steps of confession and adoration and thanksgiving, now you'll recognize that when it comes time to present your requests, those requests become those patterned after his will and his purpose and not my will and my purpose. You guys get what I'm saying? You ever find that sometimes my prayers don't really match up with God's will? 
Lord, let the Packers win. Hmm. Come on. Right? Uh, uh, Lord, let X, Y, Z happen because sometimes I'm just operating in my, my own world, my own vision. I need, to, I need to move slowly in prayer before I'm so quick to, to tell him what I want and what I need. I need to spend some time remembering who he is. I need to spend some time remembering what he's done. I need to spend some time recognizing that he's covered my sins to confess. So the last one here, S stands for supplication. One final psalm to look at, Psalm 143, if you'll turn there with me. Psalm 143. It's a very visceral psalm. Raw. Honest. David says, Oh Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness, And righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. See, he's recognizing confession already there at the beginning of the psalm. As he's preparing to present his request, he already understands that he himself is not perfect. He sees it as an enemy coming after him. In verse 7, he says, answer me quickly. O Lord, my spirit fails. Don't hide your face from me. Or I'll be like those that go down to the pit. Verse 8 through 12, look how he reminds himself of who God is and what he's done. In the morning, bring me word of your unfailing love. For I put my trust in you. Show me the way to go. For to you I lift up my soul. Rescue me from my enemies, O Lord. For I hide myself in you. Do you see where he goes? He turns to God. Repeatedly he turns to God. And this is within a psalm, a prayer asking for what he needs. Church, this is how we need to learn to pray. It's a difficult thing in our world. Praying can be difficult. Supplication is asking and trusting. It's both. When you ask God for what you need, you don't ask it thinking, oh, I don't know if you heard me or not. You know what you do? You trust. And that is an extent and a measure of faith in Him. God is listening, church. He is listening. And He wants, as you come to Him in prayer, to have your heart tuned to His will. He wants to have your heart perfectly harmonized with his plan for your life. We need to trust him even as we ask him. Now, there's a few different ways of these categories. And as I offer you a pattern, uh, cats was the one I gave you, right? But you can change it up and that's okay. You can make it acts instead, right? Instead of starting with confession, you could start with adoration. Uh, begin by telling God who he is and worship him for that and then move through the others. Or maybe, I always think that says tacos, but it says, you know, Tax, but you could begin with Thanksgiving. Many times this is where I begin with prayer. Uh, I almost find that it's almost just default. I bow my head to pray and I just want to thank God immediately. I just want to thank Him. It's the first thing off my lips. But notice, what comes at the end of all these? Supplication comes at the end of all these. A part of following a pattern in prayer is understanding that what we need more than all anything else is to have our will To come in alignment with his. This quote says, prayer is asking God to align you with his will rather than asking him to be aligned with yours. This is our challenge in praying to God. It's to ask God to change my heart. Change my heart, oh God. And that when we come to him, 
You don't need to be fumbling like some of these guys in Hollywood do. and uh, the, the comical ways. And we're going to see some more from the skit guys next week too. Because they're pretty funny. But uh, the way in which we would uh, stumble sometimes with prayer. Uh, need not be how we always come to God. There are different categories that you can think through. And it's my hope in offering these to you. That you will utilize them. Such that when you go to God in prayer. You begin with either confession or adoration or thanksgiving. And then eventually move your way. Having now been transformed to recognize God for who he is, recognizing what he has done, and confessing your sins, you present your request to him. The promise will be true for you. The peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.